I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. Amen. If you have your Bibles, grab them and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Chapter number 10, or you may have a notes page there, or the scripture will be on the screen. I feel strongly in my heart that you and I are going to read a passage of scripture that is indeed relevant for all of us. But there is something in my spirit today that is telling me there are some of you here that God has brought you here so that he can lovingly encourage you and challenge you with this text. This text was written to Christians 2,000 years ago. We don't know all of their story, but we can pick up from the text some of what was happening in their lives. Now again, I believe great days are ahead for a life church. I'm excited about your future and I will be cheering you on. But I believe the message that I share and even this text, I believe is prophetic for the American church. I'm concerned for what I see on the horizon. Yes, I'm glad that our economy seems to be doing better. I understand all, all of that, and I am glad for that. I am proud to be an American. But I am concerned for the drumbeat of what may be happening. Just a couple weeks ago, I was very concerned when word came out of Southern California that Greg Laurie, a very well-known evangelist and pastor in Southern California, Greg Laurie has a crusade a time where he preaches the simple gospel, gospel of Jesus Christ. He does that often. But he was advertising a, a meeting they were going to have. But because he was standing there holding a Bible, he was told by the billboard company that his billboards would no longer be allowed in Southern California. I'm concerned for what may be happening in the years ahead. And I believe this text has something to say to every one of us here today. Again, as I've done in recent weeks when I've been with you, I'm going to ask you to focus on this text. I'm going to ask you not to be distracted. If there are children or babies that need to be uh, attended to, Please do that and do it in a way that other people are not distracted. I'm going to ask you to focus on the text and listen to what God's Word says to each one of us. Are you with me? Verse 32 of Hebrews chapter number 10. Let's read it out loud, shall we? It's on, your, it's on the screen or on your notes page. Let's read it out loud together. Here we go, verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. 
Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Let's stop right there. Did you notice what the Holy Spirit was saying to these group, this group of people? He was commending them because in the earlier days, it said you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. By the way, if you don't know what that highfalutin word is, it means their property was taken from them. Not because they stole it from Walmart. <laughs> their property was taken simply because they were followers of Jesus. Notice that they not only accepted it, <laughs> it says they joyfully accepted it. Obviously not Americans. Ooh. They joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property because they knew that them, they themselves had better and lasting possessions. Let's go on, verse 35. Let's read it together. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's powerful. It's anointed. And I believe you're speaking to our hearts today. You're speaking to my heart today, Lord. Help me in the next few moments. Anoint me, I ask, in the midst of my weakness. And I pray it all in Jesus' name and all God's people said amen. amen. You may be seated. The writer here starts with the word remember. Remember. He says, remember the earlier days. And as you read the text, you understand that those earlier days must have included some difficult times. And now, the Holy Spirit is giving them instructions about standing strong again. They had already endured severe persecution. It was described there to us. Some of us, we go, oh, how could that happen? They had all their stuff ripped away from them because they were believers. They had gone through persecution, gone through insults. Again, the taking of property and other injustices. But now they were being instructed once again to do the right thing in the face of adversity. I ask the question as I read this text, why? Why would this church, why would these Christians need further instruction? Hadn't they already done well? Why is it that the Holy Spirit would 
come to them and give them instructions again. This is where knowing some church history, knowing some world history, also some biblical scholarship can help us. Now stick with me just for a moment. Most Bible scholars believe that this book, the book of Hebrews, was written somewhere around 65 A.D. If that is true, that means that this letter in this book was written about one generation after the beginning of the church, approximately 30 years. Now, if you study world history, you are also aware that right about that same time, there was an emperor over Rome named Nero. And during the time of 64 to 67 AD or thereabouts, Nero began a tirade of vicious persecution against Christians. He hated Christians. Many of them were martyred because of his cruel, vindictive spirit. So it is my belief that these Christians to whom the book of Hebrews was written were probably beginning to experience the wrath of Nero. I believe the earlier days referred to, the Holy Spirit is referring to those days of persecution that began, you can read about it in the book of Acts, the first few chapters. Persecution came upon the church. Stephen was martyred. The church was scattered. There was a wave of persecution. I believe those are the earlier days that are referred to in verse 32. And now, a generation later, even worse, persecution is coming upon the church. Could it be? Could it be that the Holy Spirit knew that in this church there were two categories of believers? There were those who had experienced that first wave. They were old enough. They had been followers of Jesus long enough. They went through the persecution 30 years before. The second group were people who had not been part of that persecution. They had only heard about it. Maybe they were brand new Christians. Or maybe they were young, hadn't heard about it. Maybe some of those in the earlier days crowd were wondering, I'm not sure if I can go through this again. It was awful 30 years ago, and though I'm thankful we survived, I'm just not sure about my level of stamina. I don't know if I can make it physically, spiritually, mentally, and maybe there were some in the newer crowd Maybe some of them were young enough to remember when mom and dad talked about the persecution that happened when the church first started. And maybe they said, you know, we've heard the stories of what happened before and now we, it's happening and we really didn't imagine it would happen in our lifetime. Now let's bring it back to us. 
Could it be that here today at Life Church, the Holy Spirit knows there are at least two groups of people here today. First of all, there's those who have experienced horrible difficulties in the past. You've endured them as God gave you His sufficient grace. But now, some brand new difficulties, maybe a brand new diagnosis has come onto your horizon. And maybe you're wondering, oh God, oh God, why is this happening again? I don't know if I can endure this one more time. Or maybe there's some of you here today, you're in another category, that category of never having to experience suffering. Maybe you've heard testimonies of people who've made it through the fire, but now it seems that it may be your turn, and you wonder if you have what it takes. What does the Holy Spirit say to this group of people? And what might the Holy Spirit be saying to you and me today? Let's look at the text. You can follow along in your notes page. Just three quick things that I want to share with you that the Holy Spirit is saying through the closing verses of this text. First of all, he says, don't throw away your confidence. That's verse 35. Don't Throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. The message is fairly plain there, whatever translation or paraphrase you may have. The wording in the Greek language there describes throwing something away like a wadded up piece of paper that you would toss in the trash can. Don't toss aside your confidence. And of course the question is, confidence in what? Hear me, church. The confidence that God's Word always speaks about is the confidence that God knows what He's doing in my life and in the world. That He is in control. You see, God is saying to the people in this church who had gone through the first wave of persecution, God's saying, don't throw away your confidence. Just as I was with you during those days, I will be with you today. Don't toss aside your confidence that God knows what he's doing. You say, but my life, it seems out of control. I can understand that. This text says, don't throw away your confidence. You see, the truth is this. If you and I are trusting him, if I'm trusting him, then he is governing my steps. If I am listening to him, if I am sticking close to his word, he is able to direct me. You say, I just can't figure out why this is happening to me. I don't have slick answers for you today. Oh, I've got questions, questions galore. Sometimes I can't figure God out. I can't, I do not have an answer for why three kids who were part of a youth group about 10 days ago driving down a road in western Missouri 
being driven, that van was being driven by the youth pastor. They had prayed before they left. But one of the front tires blew out. And that van went out of control and rolled and hit a tree. And three of those teenagers were sent into eternity. I don't have answers for stuff like that. But pastor, you've, you've done some study. You've got experience as a pastor. You've got some graduate degrees. Haven't you got God all figured out? In a word, no. In fact, if you come across a person or if you come across a church group that basically is saying, we've got God all figured out, run away from them. If they have God in some nice, tidy, little theological box, oh yes, I, I believe in God's word. I love God's words. But God's ways are so far above my ways. Sometimes I cannot figure him out. I do not understand all of his ways. G.K. Chesterton once said, my problem with life is not that it is rational or that it is irrational, but that it is almost rational. Yeah. Here's the message, church. Keep trusting God. Singles, if you're here today, remain confident in God. In Jesus, you are complete. Amen. Don't be saying, oh, man, I need somebody. In Jesus, you can be complete. Amen. Remain confident in God. Married couples, even if you have a problem spouse, no hands being raised, please. <laughs> remain confident in God. Families with financial needs, remain confident in God. Parents with problem children, no hands being raised, please. Parents with problems, problem children, keep trusting in God. Children with problem parents, <laughs> remain confident in God. Teenagers, teenagers who face a crazy, whacked out, perverse world, maintain your confidence that God knows exactly who you are, young lady. Young man, God knows exactly who you are, and you can be confident that he can direct your steps. You don't find a lot of people who do this craft anymore. In fact, there's a lot of people that have never heard of it. I should have brought a sample of it with me. Anybody here ever heard of Needlepoint? Needlepoint. Yeah, some of you maybe perhaps do needlepoint. The amazing thing about needlepoint, and I, I don't know how to do it, I've watched people do it, is that on the one side of needlepoint, you can, you can see a wonderful message that has been woven into the fabric. Maybe something like, God is love, or God will take care of you. But if you look at the other side of the needlepoint, it is utter chaos. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's just thread going every which way, and you go. And the thing is, if, if somebody has tossed a, a needlepoint work of art on a chair, and you pick it up, 
And somebody may say, yeah, they've worked on that for quite a few weeks. And you pick it up. And you pick it up from the backside. You're thinking, that person's crazy. <laughs> Remember, men and women, that this side of heaven, our lives, the way we see our lives, are on the backside of the needlepoint. But God is writing a beautiful story, sir, in your life. Man, God is writing his story in you. Remain confident. Don't toss aside your confidence. The next thing the Holy Spirit says to this church, verse 36, do the will of God even when it's difficult. Do the will of God even when it's difficult. The verse says you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. Now this exhortation obviously is tied to the first one. The writer tells us not to give up doing the right thing, doing the will of God. Now I've preached in in my uh, ministry journey, I've preached numerous sermons on persevering. I preached some here at Life Church over the last few weeks, and I will continue to do so. Should the Lord give me uh, continued speaking opportunities, I will preach about persevering. Why? Because so many times the New Testament writers bring us back to this subject. Maybe the Holy Spirit knows that you and I are prone to fatigue. We are prone to spiritual weariness. We are prone to a lack of spiritual stamina. Is there anybody in the house besides me that's ever been spiritually weary before? Yeah. I love the way uh, Moffat translates this verse. He says, steady patience is what you need. Steady patience. I love the book that's written by Pastor Eugene Peterson. He wrote the Message Bible, the the paraphrase there, but he wrote a book that I love the title. The title of the book is simply, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That's what this verse is talking about. The Message Bible says you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. Now, I know you may be asking, well, Pastor Bob, it says persevere after you've done the will of God. Pastor Bob, what is the will of God for me? What's the will of God for next year, for the next 10 years? Pastor, can I come up to you after the service and you, by a word of knowledge, can you tell me whether or not I'm supposed to move to Iceland? No, I, I can't. But men and women, I can tell you what the will of God is for you today. Are you ready? Here's the will of God for you, for me. Be faithful to God today. Serve Him today, regardless of the tough circumstances. Serve Him today. Persevere today. Be a man of God today, sir. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today, be a man of God. Ladies, be a woman of God. Don't you know what I'm facing Tuesday? I don't. But today, 
today. Be a woman of God. Be a man of God. Let the love of Jesus shine from your life today. Today, focus on other people and helping to be gracious to them instead of just focusing upon our own hurts or our own worries. Treat everyone you meet today with kindness and grace. Let me try that again. Didn't get much of a response in the 9 o'clock service either. 9.30. Today, here's the will of God. Now, Pastor, I woke up grumpy today. And I went out there to the coffee shop, and they didn't make my coffee exactly the way I wanted, and I'm kind of ticked off about it. Here's the will of God for you, sir. Ma'am, here's the will of God. You say, I've been in a bad mood for 20 years. Here is the will of God for you today. Treat everyone you meet today with kindness and grace. A little better response that time. Here's the will of God for you today. Don't lie. Here's the will of God for you today. Don't cheat. Spend time in God's word today. Commune with him. Cry out to him. And guess what? He will direct your steps. What about tomorrow? What's the will of God tomorrow? Start all over again. Be faithful to God. Serve him tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow may hold. But let's do the will of God. So, you know, so often we think, I'm just, 10 years from now, things will be set, and boy, it'll be rosy, and America will be great again, and I'll be in a good mood again, and there won't be any traffic in Salt Lake Valley. <laughs> we have this concept of somewhere out there, man, I, yeah then I'll, I'll, be, I'll be able to, to be a man of God. No, sir, do it today. Serve God today. That's the will of God. Let me tell you a story about an amazing lady. Some of you probably have heard this story before, but let me tell it again. This lady's name is Annie Johnston Flint. Annie Johnston Flint, she was born in 1866. When she was three years old, her parents, both of her parents died. She was orphaned at age three. She lived with a foster family with the last name of Flint. But when Annie was a young adult, those foster parents also died. She was left alone. After graduating from college, Annie Flint began to feel the effects of arthritis in her body. Horrible pain of arthritis attacked Annie Flint for years. Her body lay twisted for decades, suffering horrible pain throughout her adult years. Her joints became very, very rigid. But not only did arthritis impact Annie, she also became afflicted with cancer. Horrible cancer that back in the 1800s could not be treated like we 
can today, but her cancer got so bad that she could not control her body functions. She had to wear an adult diaper during most of her adult years. But not only did she have horrible rheumatoid arthritis and the effects of cancer, but later in her life, her eyesight began to fail. One other thing I need to mention about Annie, she was a believer in Jesus. She not only believed in Jesus, she gave her life to Jesus. She believed in healing. She cried out to him often. During this horrible time, she could have just sat somewhere or laid somewhere and felt sorry for herself, but she didn't. She began to write songs. In fact, she began to write songs that today are songs that are in what we call our hymnals. I know in many of our churches we don't necessarily use hymnals, but Annie Johnston Flint wrote songs that still to this day are available for you and I to sing. One song that she's noted most for, let me just share a couple of verses with you. Verse 1 says, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. The second verse, and again, remember her state in life. She writes these words, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. And then the chorus, and some of you that are old enough may remember you can sing it along with me. The chorus goes like this. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundaries known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Men and women, that's a song that was written by someone who persevered so that they did the will of God. And now Annie Johnston Flint will receive what she was promised. She is in the presence of the Lord. And that leads us to the third point. The third word that the Spirit has to say to the church today. And that's simply remember the ending. Remember the ending. Verse 37 of the text says, For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Men and women, there is a hope that you and I have today. Those of us who have experienced the new birth where Jesus has made us brand new, our hope is in the promise of God that says this life is not the end. Amen. This life is not the end. You noticed in the previous verses that there were promises. There were talk of rewards. The first point, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Secondly, 
persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. What are those rewards? The Bible clearly teaches that one day Jesus Christ will return and he will take his bride, the church, home to be with him forever. We believe that truth. It's written in the New Testament so clearly that those who die in Christ will join those who are alive at the coming of the Lord and we will be with the Lord forever. Somebody here say amen. amen. Now I realize... I realize that some, when you read this, you say, well, it says that uh, um, he's coming and he will not delay. Hmm. I got out my calendar, Pastor Bob, and it's been, if my calculation's correct, it's been like 2,000 years, give or take. You're right. Keep in mind, Keep in mind that God counts time in a vastly different way than we do. With him, according to his word, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. We believe that God is indeed outside of time. Now it's true, the secular, unregenerated mind would insist on the importance of the immediate and the priority of the tangible. Our culture would say that what you have, it's what you have now that matters. These promises are valueless. But the follower of Jesus, hear me, church, the follower of Jesus, the one who believes in the Bible, refuses to be choked by the humanist, restrictive, futureless outlook. No, we look to the God who cannot be seen with our physical eyes. We press toward what the Bible says is a distant city, even though it is not visible on the immediate horizon. We remember the ending a few years ago. I love listening to Paul Harvey. Anybody here old enough to remember Paul Harvey? I know some of you say, Pastor Bob, over the last seven Sundays, you've talked to us about a lot of old stories and you've sung a lot of old songs. Pastor Bob, are, are you on Medicare? Yes, I am. Thank you very much. Some of you perhaps never heard of Paul Harvey. By the way, it wouldn't be bad. If you've never heard of Paul Harvey, just Google his name and you can hear some of his radio broadcasts. Paul Harvey was an amazing newscaster. And one of the things that set Paul Harvey apart is that he would share all the news. And, and yes, even back in Paul Harvey's day, the news was awful. There were a lot of bad things happening, but he would interweave the bad news with some good news, especially news about Henrietta and Buford McGillicuddy being married for 75 years, and he would say, roses to the McGillicuddies. He would share neat stories like that, but not everybody in his listening audience liked the way that he would share the good news. You ever notice that there's a lot of people that are grumpy a lot? 
loved to complain about everything. He got a letter one day. Paul Harvey got a letter from a person who said, I don't like the way you put in stuff about long marriages. I don't like that at all. How is it, Paul Harvey, that you can remain cheerful? Paul Harvey was a cheerful human being. How is it that you can remain cheerful? And one day, Paul Harvey shared that note that he got. I almost said that email. It was way before email. (laughs) Some of you are old enough to remember U.S. mail. Remember that? Yeah. He, He read that letter, and then he said, this is why I'm cheerful. He simply said this. Actually, he sang this. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. This is Paul Harvey, good day. That's the way he always ended his radio broadcasts. Well, some would say, oh, Pastor Bob, that's emotional dependency. You Christians, you're always talking about heaven. You can't face your problem. You can't face the stuff happening. So you just talk about heaven. You just pine about some future heaven. Here's the truth, Bubba. Here's the truth. Because we know the ending, we can face our problems head on. We don't have to run away and hide. We don't have to be slaves to fear. Thank you, Stephen Lamb, for having us sing that song. We are no longer slaves to fear. Why? We are a child of God. We can face whatever comes our way. We can face it knowing that God is in control of our lives. And all he's asking us to do is to believe in him and to trust him and to persevere. And remember that one of these days, the God of the Bible will put it all together. I don't know all the details about it. I just will trust him. I love the way one paraphrase comes up with the last verse of this text. He says, we're not quitters who lose out. Oh no, we'll stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. Life Church, whatever you do in the coming days, don't throw away your confidence. Life, church, whatever you do, do the will of God, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. And Life, church, remember the ending. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life, church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life, church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.